Hey there, and welcome to Scraptitude. Scraptitude is a channel of rising young minds, a platform dedicated to elevating original content and perspectives. Find more rising young minds content on Twitter at the underscore RYM, pronounced the rhyme, or on Instagram at rising young minds. For the entire database of rising young minds articles, visit risingyoungminds.com. If you want to join the Scraptitude community, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Scraptitude, or subscribe to our YouTube account, Scraptitude Philly. Lastly, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you listen to our podcast. Thanks, and what? Hey there, everybody, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Scraptitude. My name is Timothy Lewis, and as always, my co-host... Hey, Jeff Akins. Hey, Jeff. How you doing today? Uh, I'm alright. I'm kind of sick, but I got the cough drops, and I got the uh, Tylenols, so I'm here. Damn, we're he's coming at you all through the mic. I'm trying my best. Yeah, well, that's all we can do. Gotta get them microbes on point. If you're interested in... If you're interested in knowing about microbes and microbiomes, I have an article to strongly recommend, one that I have personally written. Go to my Twitter account, Mr. T. Lou, that is M-R-T-E-E-L-E-W, self-plug, shameless. Kale in the game. That John pinned on my profile, it's all uh, about the microbes, it talk about your body, and it is titled The Free Will Fallacy. So, yep, self-plug, zap, charged up. And you get sick in the spring. Damn, yeah, well that happens. You got the, them pollens out there, you got the johns floating, the new fungi spores that are up and about. There's all kinds of different shit going on in this ecosystem of the world. Now, the ecosystem of the boxing world has recently been turned upside down, specifically in the super welterweight division right. when Julian Williams, new apex predator. the new apex predator, you heard it here first, exhibited a clinic on the face and body of Jarrett Hurd. Yeah, he really did. It was funny as shit. Uh, it was, it was kind of cool. One, because representing Philly, we were out here putting on. We knew it was gonna happen. We were we seen the holes. Heard was not ready, and uh, Julian, you know, he gave him a lesson. In this, you know, in the sweet science, it was good. Uh, the one thing, the best part was that Julian just was on him, on him, on him, on him. He heard had no space, and he's used to being. Able, he needs to be. He's used to be able to create a little bit of space. He likes to. He, you know, he holds, he tries to do the little shoulder roll and hold his, you know, hold his jabbing hand down, but, you know, his left hand, but it's just like, all right, bull, I'm just going to get in your face and you're just not going to get a chance to get off the shots you want. And Julian, it was just, it was a beautiful display. Julian's strategy, credit his coaching staff, was counterintuitive to many because Julian, or Jarrett Hurd, was pictured to be an imposing fighter, somebody that has relentless pressure and beats you up on the inside, really wears you down and takes you into the deep water before drowning you with his power and pressure. Julian Williams took the initiative and brought the fight to the inside himself, and something that was particularly evident in what he exploited was the tightness of his punching and combinations. It seemed like he could get two, three, four punches in quick succession when Jarrett Hurd had significantly more wind-up and was getting caught in between his punches regularly by the crisp counter-punching in combination, combinations of Julian Williams. 
you could see when we were talking about the fight earlier, some of the things that we mentioned, you know, uh, Hurd's tendency to bend over too much and his ability to get caught when you pivot off the center line with that right hand. And, I mean, honestly, Julian was having success with, you know, with both hands. He was really able to show, you know, the showcase his footwork and his movement and really just show her that, you know what, you know, you can be big for the weight class, but sometimes that's not really the best move. And you know what, Julian really is, he's an actual, you know, 154-pound dude, and Hurd's probably just, he's just kind of too big. And, I you know, he might be doing this, he might be headed the same way uh, Jamal was and just going up in weight just to see what he can do there. And, you know, so he can hopefully maintain a speed advantage over some guys and be able to maintain the idea of dragging them out into the later rounds to put them out. When I was talking to uh, J-Rock, he told me he gets up to about 175 pounds between fights. And to me, that's interesting because that's 20 pounds that you're cutting down. You know, some of that you're just comfortable. You're carrying a little bit extra around the waist or what have you. It symbolizes to me how big Jarrett Hurd must be. What's he coming down? 30 pounds to make this weight? Because yeah. he's six foot one and... Notice, he's noticeably larger. He was noticeably larger than Julian Williams. And honestly, it was one of the reasons Julian Williams was able to exploit him he was just able to keep tighter combinations and move in a more compact fashion and i attribute a lot to the body type being maximized for the weight class Jarrett Hurd's best weight probably isn't 154 pounds if he is truly a skilled fighter if he's mm. somebody that relies on his physical advantages his ability to take punches at that weight and his pressure and his power well then maybe he's not that good after all and i think we'll see as he moves mm. up in weight what kind of boxer not fighter um not tank but what kind of mm. boxer Jarrett Hurd is once he has to exhibit more slickness, have more defense, mm. show counterpunching, when he can't just be taking shots? Because if he fights at higher weight classes against more skilled competition the way he's fighting Julian Williams, if he's fighting Charlos, if he's fighting mm -hmm. a Triple G or a Saunders or a uh, Canelo, what have you, yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot of animals at that weight class. If you're going to go leading with your head and hope your pressure overwhelms these dudes... Can't get away with that lazy shit. You man. can't get away with that, man. And uh, Spence, that's why I'm yeah. worried about Earl Spence for similar reasons is because pressure, power, and durability are linchpins of their success at their weight class. And realistically, with their bodies maturing, they're going to have to move up. And we're going to see if they are pound-for-pound -pound fighters or if they're people that are exploiting the differences in weight between themselves and their opponents. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, that's it's actually, it's a good, pretty good point because there's a lot of I mean between 147 to like 154, there's a lot of dudes that can move up and down throughout that way, and some of them are really trying to find where they fit. It's a dog, you know, it's a fucking it's a shark tank in there, and there's a lot of good fighters in there. And what's going to happen is I don't know if you know really it's kind of what you said. I don't know if Jared Hurd's going to be able to hang in there with the top tier fighters. Honestly, he should try like even like a Danny Jacobs, someone like that. I don't know if he's like. That's a little bit much because Danny Jacobs is somebody that's too big for 160. Yeah, as we as demonstrated by his inability I, to, to handle yeah, the weight cut. But, but I mean, it gets there's in, plenty of bodies yeah. at middleweight where he can test the waters. It's evident that somebody that's as strong and prepared and technically proficient as Julian Williams is stylistically an atrocious matchup for <laughs> Jarrett Hurd. And the commentary that's why in a lot of these fights, especially when you have a skilled but lesser-known fighter like Julian Williams, it's hard to listen to the commentary because it, mm. it will whisper sweet lies into your ear and skew the cards. And I saw online media person, a lot of different people, uh, people that I communicate with in the boxing community who definitely have well-cultured opinions, had this fight a lot closer than it was, to me at least, 
because I saw one man walking the other down and really putting on a display, and the other guy in Jarrett Hurd showing grit and toughness and the heart of a champion maybe, but severely outclassed in every phase of the game. This is a great <coughs> coming out for Julian Williams. It shows that he can re- he can hang in there with these bigger dudes that are trying to cut the weight to be at this weight class. And him having these titles is going to open up a lot of uh, more interesting fights for him. And just you know, just having the belts themselves, you know, just you can demand a bigger check and you'll be able to do more stuff. So it's going to be it's good for Philly. It's good for J Rock, and it's going to be awesome to see who he decides to fight next. And that's yes. the best part. He says the belts now. He says the division now runs through West Philly. The belts run through West Philly, and he's right. And this boxing, box, rec, boxing wreck bullshit, box wreck bullshit, Fox News bullshit with this Jamie Munguia bull who ain't beat nobody except some soft-ass European dude named Liam, the bull that dated mm. Miley Cyrus. Mm. Somehow this bull ranked number one. And I get it, he's 22, he has no losses, but you know, sometimes your losses reflect the competition. And J-Rock, mm. J-Rock has faced the competition. Munguia, mm. Munguia... This bull of nobody. Mm. And he need to come face somebody real. He need to come catch some hands in this division. Somebody with some serious accreditation. Mm. If he going to be taking that number one spot. Because right now, three of the four belts are in West Philadelphia. Mm. Everybody running scared. Now, is there anybody you would like to see next as far as Julian Williams and his first title defense? Well, um... I think that I guess one of the I think a good fight for him would be, even though Tony Harrison is rematching uh, Jermel, I think that would be a good fight for him. Uh, once I like I like the fight with Tony Harrison. I think that's a good a good next fight. Just someone to see. It's just another good name to add on to there. Um, I would perhaps a mandatory. I don't know what the mandatory no are like I, for these three I, different belts. I now. have no idea. Man, and mandatories are stupid. All everyone's always like the way that's like. You know, you just won the belt, and they're like, "Bro, you better fight this bull next week." And it's like, "All right, well, no." But okay, so, well, yeah, no. There's, you know, Tony Harrison. There's the rematch uh, with, you know, with the Charlo brothers. If he ever wants to, you know, just get revenge on that loss. And hey, comp beating up a big guy like Hurd, and uh, they were going after the Hurd fight. Who was it, Jermel? I forget. I hate twins. <laughs> I hate twins. It's fucking impossible to remember between the two of them, but I think it's Jermel. Uh and getting the rematch with him, especially after beating Hurd. And what's interesting is he has the belts. And I don't know if I think after since he's re, the Jermel's rematching Tony Harrison, he just took the L. Julian he, he's calling the shots, but I think Tony Harrison's a good fight if he beats uh Charlo again, which I don't think he will, but I want to see him get. I just want to see him get a rematch and avenge, a, avenge that L. Julian just seems like he's in this bag now, and I just he get, you know it was a good counter shot from Charlo, but now that Julian has the belts, he can start looking for the biggest fights in the business. Not that his last fight wasn't a massive fight and a huge propulsion for his career, his life, his family, and James Schuler Memorial Boxing Gym and West Philadelphia, this entire city. Be that as it may. And this might be coming a little bit out of left field. I like the Earl Spence fight a lot. Mm. And I think that that man is trying to run away from Terrence Crawford. Mm. I see him as somebody that's making excuses there. And if he wants that fight, that fight's made. Terrence Crawford is calling for that fight. Earl Spence Jr. is not looking for that fight. Julian Williams is an animal. But I don't mm. think a lot of fighters in the boxing community as a whole is, are still really 
acknowledging the kind mm. of animal that he is. I would not be surprised if you see somebody with uh, that kind of brand recognition, uh, that kind of momentum, like an Earl Spence Jr., mm. moving up who's already a big, big for his weight class and challenging that for, the, mm. uh, for those three belts or however mm. many belts are on the line. Mm. I would like to see that fight a lot. And I think Julian Williams can exploit many of the same things he exploited against Jared Hurd. Mm. It's an interesting one. Um, that is a good fight. I like it simply because I want to get – I want J-Rock to be on the biggest stage possible just for him to do as best as he can. But I do like that fight. Um, you do bring up some interesting points. I do like the, I do like the the inside <laughs> fighting from, from Williams. It's definitely going to give Errol a little bit of fits. And – Julian is – he's I don't know if he's bigger. He's probably bigger, a little bigger than him. They're probably similarly sized. Yeah. Isn't Errol's probably like maybe an inch short or something like that. But that's a good idea. I like that fight. That's definitely a good fight. I mean, what were we talking about? I'm sure what Errol's uh, trying to get the uh, Porter fight. They're doing the Porter fight. But... Errol's fighting Porter, and I like Sean Porter. I think that that is a stylistically favorable matchup for Earl Spence Jr. He's just too big. I know that Sean – uh, Sean Porter has had trouble making the weight, mm. but to me, body size, frame, Earl Spence Jr. is the bigger man, and that matchup is stylistically favorable. Mm. Sean Porter, props to him for taking that fight, props to him for staying busy. I think that the 147 division is going to look a lot more interesting when, mm. or if and when, Earl Spence Jr. moves up. Mm. That is true. That is true. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of people. There's a, a lot. One forty, like, you know, like we were talking about, one forty-seven, one fifty-four. There's a lot of dudes gunning for a lot of legacy fights, and some dudes keeping coming up to try and get at some of these guys. And mm-hmm. dudes going down, you know. It's like Danny, like the Garcia versus Garcia. So, so if Julian's not going to try unify belts here or take on Boxing Rex number one, I would like to see a super fight like that take place. Mm-hmm. You can do that, or get another defense under your belt. It's really un- it's up to him. And at that point. Especially after, I'm sure, the stress, getting the belt. You know, maybe just take someone in your weight class and then see what's up next. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all if we see him facing a mandatory in Philadelphia, perhaps at the Met. Now, moving on to other legacy-defining fights and uh, cataclysmic trajectories, we have those in the heavyweight division, only bolstered by Deontay Wilder's decapitation of Dominic Mm. Brazil. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Damn. He said he wanted to murder that man. You just sit here and you don't know what I'm talking about? God damn it, we thought he'd done it. Because <laughs> that was ruthless. To this day! With this is a big common opponent between him and Anthony Joshua. Deontay ran through him like a freight train. Anthony Joshua tiptoed around the bush like a scared cat. Uh... America has the best heavyweight in the world right now. You smell that? You smell that, Jeff? I think it's is that fear. I smell pussy. Woo! Damn, scare cat is right. Anthony Joshua don't want none of this work. That man is a sheep in wolf's clothing. Huh. My lord, you can be muscles all day long, but you ain't scary. You ain't tenacious. You ain't a monster. Mm. The well, bronze bomber a monster. One of the things that's important about these heavyweights is that the ability to close the distance and explosiveness matters. Deontay Wilder is the most explosive and probably the fastest heavyweight in the weight cl- in that weight class, and he has shown. And everyone likes to make fun of him, 
because they say, you know, he throws the windmills and all that shit. But at the end of the day, he throws that jab with that right hand behind it, and bulls are going to bed. It's a basic combination, but basics get the job done. And I don't care what anyone says now, Deontay has his last three fights are, in my opinion, uh, at this point, a better set than the previous three fights that Anthony Joshua has. And I think that Deontay has been taking bigger risks, and he has shown that he is willing to get up there and fight the top fighters. And Joshua, I think, is hiding behind his uh, the whole, oh, I'm an England bull, and we are out here, and I'm going to fight over here with the Wembley. They didn't want it. They wanted to stay behind the, the, the castle. They wanted to stay over in England. The fans so bad, I deserve to fight there. Everyone knows where we pay for pay-per-views. Everyone knows where they pay for tickets. Guess where it is? It's America. And guess where Anthony Joshua's fighting that fat white dude? Or, I'm sorry, he's not white. Anthony Royce. He's fighting that, fight, that fat dude in. Madison Square Garden. You know why? Because America's where the bread at. But he's scared. He's scared of that real man. There's a monster waiting for him. Facts only, Jeffrey. Mm-mm. A monster. The American monster. The bronze bomber. To this day. To this day. To this day. To this day. You just sit here and you don't know what I'm talking about? It's... One of the things that you can look at when the fight between with uh, Donna Brazil and Anthony Joshua is that I mean, as we, we previewed that fight before to make a determination of how long we thought it would take Deontay to destroy Dominic Brazil. And it, it's just you can see the difference in the movement between the two. Anthony Joshua, he's got, you know, he's got the pecs, he's got the biceps, the dude can flex, he's husky looking, but he's used to fighting these Europe Bulls. I see stiffness. These Europe Bulls, they don't... They're not out here like we are. They don't understand. There's not all that track and field basketball stuff out here with niggas throwing up. You know, you got to have hands. You got to move quick. You got to have legs out here. Beating Vladimir Klitschko. Nothing. Let me say something. And this is going to make a lot of people angry. And if so, fuck y'all. Vladimir Klitschko was the symbolic face of the most pathetic era of heavyweight boxing History. Easily. Beating a 40-year-old Vladimir Klitschko. Not Vitaly, mm. who was a real animal, real savage. Mm. You beat a 40-year-old distorted reflection. Vladimir mm. Klitschko, I'm not going to say he a bad fighter, but that was the era where heavyweights wouldn't be coming, would be coming out of fights with no scratches on them. Where jab and hold was a successful and prominent strategy. Mm. We in an era... Where the greats are returning, where mm. damage is being done, where fear is being struck into the hearts of fighters and audience members alike. Mm. That's what Deontay Wilder does. This man brings back memories of greats. He tears down his opponents before they get in the ring with them. He is a George Foreman. He is a Mike Tyson. I have a hard time seeing somebody like Anthony Joshua, the sheep in wolf's clothing, wanting any of that work. Deontay Wilder is faster. Deontay Wilder hits harder. Deontay Wilder is more ruthless. You do the arithmetic. 41 men have stepped into the ring with Deontay Wilder. 40 of them were separated from their consciousness. I expect Anthony Joshua to be 41. That's why he don't want the fight, though. That's why he say, oh, you had the three-zone deal. Deontay Wilder recognizes he has... One thing going for him. He is an American heavyweight champion. Mm -hmm. And with that, there is a latent 
superstardom. He is only on the cusp. He's been fed breadcrumbs, and he's coming for the whole damn cake. Mm-hmm. America waking up to this man. The national media waking up to this man. He said he wanted to murder Dominic Brazil, and man, boy oh boy, did they get that stretcher? <laughs> Look, it's just there's it's gonna become uh, it's obvious now that the point is we've gotten to the point where we need to see these two men get into the ring with each other. Uh, Tyson Fury has decided that he is going to chill on the sidelines and do some weirdo stuff. That's fine. He can do that. He was a million pounds last year. Take his time. But we need to see these two young men in the ring. I'd, this is a great story. America versus the UK. Deontay is it. He's got, he's, you know, he feels the weight of a lot of things on his shoulders and he expresses it. Anthony Joshua seems to be, a, you know, he's a cocky, he's a UK boy who thinks he can come to America and talk big. But guess what, bro? You don't come to America to Madison Square Garden and act like you're the best when you're fighting with Anthony Ruiz. Yeah, Anthony Ruiz Jr. That's an excellent segue. Deontay Wilder out here, and what was it? Anthony Joshua said, I hope it takes him nine because it took me seven. Well, it took him one-seventh of the time to do the same damage, to do more damage, debatably. Dude, this was a fight. For Anthony Joshua, it was a fight he was in control of. This was not a fight. This was a feeding for mm-hmm. Deontay Wilder. Mm. But moving on to Anthony Joshua and his upcoming fight against Andy Ruiz Jr., I think that this is actually a better matchup than the Jarrell Miller fight. Mm. Jarrell Miller converted kickboxer over the hill, just a body for Anthony Joshua to stay active against. Andy Ruiz, one loss on his record yep. to a s- solid opponent, Joseph Parker. He cracks. He's not going to be intimidated going in there. And I think that people will be surprised that he's not going to pull an upset. But he is going to make Anthony Joshua work. And it's going to be kind of funny seeing this (laughs) tubby little Mexican bull in there trading on the inside and landing some hooks on the muscle-bound Anthony Joshua. Yeah. It's going to be good to see. Basically, yeah, I want to see Anthony Joshua get pushed. And he's going to be an American now, so it's not going to be the same – you know, there's not going to be 50 UK, 50 million UK bulls riding your nuts, acting like you're the best thing out. And you know who's going to be ringside. You know who's going to be ringside. You know this. And you know this, man. Let's not be, let's not act coy. So what Anthony Joshua has to recognize is he is now in the position where he is starting to look like a bitch. And he is... Fighting pudgy bulls instead of fighting thoroughbred champions. I thought it was a fucking joke when they announced Jarrell Miller as his opponent. This is a bull that was fighting Crow Cop in K1. Didn't Crow he Cop- pop for like a ridiculously dumbass steroid? steroid? He the one for that like gives you mega cancer or something? He popped for all the Johns. That's the thing. Like, he popped for every single John. That bull suspended indefinitely. He gone for mm, a long time. I think two of Joshua's last opponents popped. I think the Povetkin bull did, and I think the Miller did. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to accuse anybody. But you know what? That's How are there this many heavyweight belts, though? Because Anthony Joshua got four belts, and none of them mean nothing. It's, be- I mean, I don't know. It's, it's because, well, just there's too many fucking well, Tyson, belts. Does Tyson belts. Fury technically have a title right now? No, Tyson Fury doesn't have anything. That's why, because Tyson yeah. Fury is technically the lineal champion. 
Uh, Joseph Parker, I think won. I think he won the WBO from Anthony Ruiz, and then I think that. I think oh, they were both I mean, fighting for a vacated belt. Yeah, and then the, uh, Ruiz, Vladimir had the other ones. Andy Ruiz, that is. Yeah, Vladimir had the two, and then there was a vacant one. So that's how it, Joshua got those three, and then he got he beat Parker for the WBO. Anyways, Anthony Joshua, man, days are numbered. I can't imagine you want that Wilder fight. I can't imagine you want the Fury fight because you know one is more skilled and the other is more dangerous. You know Anthony Joshua not getting up in the 12th round after that. Tyson Fury's, uh, he was on some nut shit, and he got up from the grave from that. And that was amazing, and props to him, but we know Anthony Joshua not getting back up from that. Both these bulls went with their subscription-based services as a way to get away from Deontay Wilder. Tyson Fury, oh, look, there's no heavyweights to fight over here. Let me sign with ESPN. (laughs) Fucking Anthony Joshua Joshua. with his first zone fight against Jarrell Miller? Are you kidding me? It's, this is the level of competition these bulls are satiated by. Deontay Wilder is the boogeyman of the heavyweight division, the baddest man on the planet. And if these bulls want to step up, if they think they're really about it, I'm more excited to see Usyk and what he's got to do because mm. I think that bull, a real man, a real savage, who would consider stepping in there and might be able to give a real fight as a combination of prowess, power, and ability. I think they're scared. And we can't forget about my man's butter. <laughs> the butter bull, Anthony well, Kaunaki. I Anthony Kaunaki. I'm trying to think. This boy, he's out here. He's slick. Where's yeah. profile at? Let's, we pull, might, let's pull this drawing up. Yeah, real quick. We, we about to pull. Where this the Kaunaki bull? Kaunaki, get up here. Look, man, he's undefeated. Oh, Adam Kaunaki, my bad. This bull, the Polish Terminator. He represents my lineage proudly. Right. I don't care. This boy, he's got hands. He's slick. He looks like a small butter bean, and he has moves. <laughs> That's so disrespectful. It ain't a disrespectful thing. You look how you look, and you got to embrace it. He's 30 years old, though, so it's time for him to get a real fight in there because he's 19 and no, no more tiptoeing around. Mm-mm. Well, he just cracked the top 10, so he should be hunting around. He should have a good fight soon, and I want to see him in there. He's I'm better t- than a lot of these bulls, though, that in the top 10. Jarrell, of course, it depends on who's top 10. That's Boxing Rex top ten, yeah, but true. every uh, like every service, every belt has like every organization has its own rankings. Yeah, so you know you, you're better off just composing your own rankings. But uh, Kaunaki can crack, so he deserves a real fight coming up. And I would like to see one of these three: uh, Fury, Wilder, or Joshua. Uh, Joshua uh, give him a crack. Should they choose not to fight one another, because these bulls dawdling. They got to get in there. This is the way to make money is to have these heavyweights fight. Anthony Joshua is scared. Deontay's the best. All right. Now some Hispanic on Hispanic violence. Mikey mm. Garcia and Danny Garcia formally announced. Mm. The Battle of Garcias. Uh, Danny, the bigger man, 147 pounds, former champion. Great boxer from Philadelphia. Um, we got Mikey Garcia. Coming up again after uh, his previous loss to Errol Spence. Clearly, he uh, does not learn lessons. So he wants to, yet again, come up and wait and fight someone who has is big, bigger than him, has good timing, and is not going to back down. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, Mikey, uh, maybe not the best choice. The thing is, I think Mikey out here trying to solidify his legacy, and he's trying to do it while his body is still at the peak of its powers. Mm. 
to me, the ultimate question is, Mikey Garcia, are you a pound-for-pound pound fighter? Coming into the Earl Spence Jr. fight, he was considered to be one. Yeah. That fight was a massive step up in terms of weight, weight and just everything. It, the odds were yeah. stacked against him. And, you know, it, it wasn't a great showing. He survived. He fell expectedly short. He fell expectedly short. We don't really have the answer to if he's a pound-for-pound pound fighter. This fight's going to prove it because most people, while the boxing community respects Danny Garcia, they don't view him as a cream-of-the-crop talent. Yeah. Now, I think that while he has some parts of his boxing that look unconventional, unorthodox, perhaps perhaps amateurish in how he sometimes wings the hooks for his, from his hips, he's a very solid defensive fighter. He hits as hard as anybody in the division. His timing is impeccable. This is a major test, and it's one of the, uh, you know, outside of Earl Spence Jr., this is arguably the toughest fight of Mikey Garcia's career. And I'm not sure that we say the same about Danny Garcia. Yeah, uh, it's... Because I think the hmm. Sean Porter and the, mm. and, the Thurman. The, uh, and the Thurman fight were tougher fights for him than the Mikey and Garcia Lamont fight. Peterson. Lamont Peterson at the time, that was a very tough fight. Mikey Garcia... Maybe we see his body more developed now that he's had more time to acclimate himself to 147 pounds. I do not know. But this is a really tough, really tough fight for him. The thing is, I think that I agree with you on a lot of points right there. This is definitely not going to be the hard. I don't think this is going to be the hardest fight for Danny that he's had even in the last few years. And, I, you know, this is the second hardest fight probably, you're right, for Mikey Garcia. And one of the points that... I don't know. I feel as though when you are a lighter fighter and you try, like, you're trying to go up there and you want to go up and wait and you try to fight these dudes, I understand you're trying to build a legacy, but if you keep taking L's, it's going to hurt you. And I don't understand that why Mikey is, he's, I feel like he's, you know, he's running from Lomachenko. I feel like that's kind of what's happening, especially considering Loma's fighting mandatories at this point. And, you know, Mikey's a good name. And I wonder, it just makes me wonder why is he running up to these dudes at the higher weight when there is, Someone who is a very good, considered pound-for-pound fighter, right in his air, right in his general area, where he's not going to have to overcome such intense physical attributes. And it's just, it's odd that he would take this route and try and fight these heavier bulls. To me, it makes a lot of sense. I don't think that, promotionally, it does him any favors being chased out of 135 <laughs> uh, by somebody like Lomachenko. Sorry. Yeah, 140 pounds is... You know, I could see that being a stomping ground for him and maybe could try to get people to meet him there. But 147, this is heavy for Mikey. He he's had small, some extra, dude. Yeah, he had some extra flab on him for the Spence fight. We'll see if he's able to, sh- you know, shape up his body more with extended time adjusting yeah, to that weight. Danny was, is a little bit small, but he looks like he's acclimated to 147 pounds yeah. pretty well. Well, his t- timing his timing helps him a lot. And but he's, he's he's a bigger body, broader body. Look at their respective yeah, backs. Got his back. You look at their yeah, backs and their back. shoulders. Yeah. Danny Garcia was able to fill out to this weight class. Mikey Garcia is a smaller-framed human being who's best served at 135 to 140 pounds. Maybe call me a victim of recency bias because they have two dramatically different results of their last fights, respectively. Mm-hmm. But I think Danny Garcia beats Mikey Garcia, and I think he puts a whooping on him. I think that uh, Danny might... The thing about Danny is that he 
can catch dudes in a way that like Errol does, like Errol Smith Jr. Errol likes to you know. He played a good match, and what Errol wanted to do was a little different than I think Danny's going to do. Danny likes to get up in bulls' faces and put you out. Errol, will, it seemed like he was in there to show that he was a boxer and that he could get up there and put on a clinic against someone who was considered superior. Technically. And I think that the Danny's size combined... He, he times that fucking hook, man. He can time that like that check hook is it's beautiful. He has one of the best in the division and his time with both hands is gorgeous though. And it gets to the point where Danny's gonna be really comfortable in that weight and he's gonna he I think he's gonna bully Mikey and he I think he might be able to get this might be able to stop him. Uh especially in the later rounds. As, because he's gonna be tired, I think I think Danny can catch him. It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Mikey kind of wades into the fire. He was not able to do that against Earl Spence Jr. because Earl Spence Jr. has the jab, that, you know, that knifing jab that he repeatedly stabs out there. That kept the distance during their fight. Danny's not a jabber. He has a jab, but that's not what he's going to rely on, and he doesn't really care about maintaining the distance. If you're going to close the distance, he's going to try to time you, and if he's going to close the distance, it's going to be to land something big. So I just don't see how this fight plays to the strengths of Mikey Garcia, who seems to like to impose himself. It might go a lot like Danny's last fight, to be honest. You know, Adrian Granados, I mean, that they're not far. It's not. I mean, he doesn't have the technical ability that Mikey Garcia has, but he's a little bit taller. But, I mean, yeesh, he's a, you know, he's got the heart. He's got the pressure. You know, one of the things that I think is going to be uh, important for Mikey is to see how he adjusts after his first fight against someone that's clearly bigger and also has the ability to box with him. Because it's definitely, because, you know, he's a good fighter, and this is that's what good fighters do. You know, they learn from losses, and they learn from what happened. And I think that is definitely a big X factor for this fight, is to see how Mikey is able to adapt now that he's had the chance to get in there and see what it's like at the weight class. A counter to that is Mikey Garcia isn't a stranger to being in the ring with bigger people, maybe in actual boxing matches, but sparring, he used to get work with uh, Maidana regularly. Like, I mean, like for himself, I'm saying. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying he's used to fighting bigger guys. That's probably what gave him the confidence to go up and wait and fight Earl Spence Jr. is because he felt his skill set. Oh, yeah, dude, Maidana is a heavyweight. It's different, though. You're not just coming up and wait. You're coming up and wait, and this is one of the division's premier counter punchers. So not only does Danny have power, but he hits you with the shot you don't see coming. Mikey's not the quickest guy. He's somebody that likes to stay in there. He likes to put a lot of pressure on you. Mm, I'm just – he's not unhittable. He's got that big-ass noggin. Danny Garcia is a bad dude, and I'm I'm with you. I don't – even though it hasn't happened, it's kind of unprecedented for Mikey Garcia – I see it as very possible that this one gets stopped inside the distance. So is Adrian Granados. He hadn't been stopped yet either, hadn't he? No, he hadn't been stopped. And that's the thing. It very well could be a ref waving it off, Mm -hmm. but that don't matter. They all count the same. Props to Mikey Garcia for having, you know, the balls to get up here and again take a fight against a heavier dude who's also very skilled. But I wish he would stay at a little bit lighter weight and try and, you know, maybe fight Lomachenko or something like that. But I, I do understand your point of not wanting to get run out. It's going to be a good fight. You know, like I said, I'm favoring Danny. I think he might, he's going to get the finish in the later rounds. And we'll see what happens.
Billy Baby, Julian Williams, Danny Garcia. We doing this shit. Cool boy Steph out there. Yeah, won the uh, IBO championship at Bantamweight. Uh, uh, Super Bantamweight. Super Bantamweight. So, damn, Philly is really rocking right now we, with its fighting mm-hmm. and scrapitude based Champions. out of the heart and soul. Champions. The heart and soul of the most beautiful fighting culture on the entire motherfucking planet. Philadelphia, greatest city on earth. Any last words, Jeffrey? You know what? Philly's coming for all the belts. And y'all thought y'all could hold on to them, but guess what? It's over. We are Scraptitude, as you see on the banner behind us. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. Or follow us on Instagram and Twitter or our YouTube at Scraptitude Philly. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, peace. Catch y'all later. Who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that? Uh, you know, before, but I'll, we'll find it out later. Well, but, to be fair, you see this bull Anthony Joshua. That man built like a brick shit house. True, and all I'm saying is, we know why they look like that over here. <laughs> we all know what's going on over there in the United Kingdom because we know y'all got some special shit in that water. <laughs> it's, uh... Alright, well... A hundred... <coughs> It says he's 5'9", and Danny's 5'8". He's not 5'9". 5'6". Oh, he's 5'6". Dude, he's, yeah, I was about yeah. to say. That, that, that was misleading. Dude, Danny's small, too. That thi- That's a point. Yeah, he felt his skill set was able to, to transcend that barrier. So all the power to him.